Let's go to God in prayer. Our Father in heaven, for this summer, as you have continued to shape us in the image and likeness of Christ, as we have, as we have gathered together here in the name of Jesus, we give you thanks, we give you all honor and glory and praise in the name of Jesus, amen. So we started this summer with Philippians 4.8, and so we're going to finish the summer with Philippians 4.8. Whatever is true, this moment is true, what we're doing here together is about as true as it gets. Whatever is noble. I don't know why, but when I think about this word this summer, I think about shaking hands on Sunday morning with John Hunter in the back of the sanctuary. I don't know why, that's just what I think about. Whatever is right. I've seen Emily Hughes walk up to people this summer and tell them happy birthday. That seems awfully right. Whatever is pure. When the kids walk up and down the aisles during communion and shake hands with people sitting on the outside, that's pretty pure. Whatever is lovely. Think about the hearts and the minds of our ladies in women's Bible study. That's pretty lovely. Whatever is good. We just said a few moments ago, it is a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere to give thanks to God. And in this place, that's what we continue to do. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, and this is where we all come into this passage, think about such things. True, noble, right, pure, lovely, good, excellent, or praiseworthy. Think about such things. We encounter all the time, always and everywhere, things that are not true, are certainly not pure and lovely. Welcome to life on earth always been that way, probably always will be that way. But during those moments when we see what is true, and pure, lovely, good, all of these things, we give thanks to God. Do you know what spin is? And don't say it depends on what your definition of is is. 
spin is when someone takes something that is seemingly not so good, not true, not lovely, and they spin it in such a way to make it sound better than it actually is. So you know about these things, right? So we live in a society where 99 times out of 100, and I'm saying this as a preacher, right? 99 times out of 100, it's better to keep silent. You've you've heard this, right? Out of Ecclesiastes, there's a time to speak and a time to keep silent. Well, I think that wisdom is 99 times out of 100, keep silent. In a world where politicians and celebrities talk constantly, and in a society where you can't tell the difference between the two anymore, it's better just to, okay, let them do their thing. We got bigger fish to fry, just let them do their thing. We have better things to talk about. But, one out of a hundred, you can't keep silent. You can't not speak. It would be irresponsible to keep silent when it is time to speak. So, over the last couple of weeks, we have heard over and over again a quote that is arguably the worst case of spin in all of human history. And it was just this little phrase, and I can't tell you how many times that I heard it, that I saw it pop up in news outlets and all kinds of places when someone on some news program uttered one of the worst things that I have ever heard Truth isn't truth. As God, as my witness, truth is always the truth. Jesus stood before us and said that He was the way, the truth, and the life because of what we understand as followers of Jesus about the truth that we know through Jesus. Truth is always the truth. It always has been, and it always will be. And part of what we have spent this summer doing is keeping our eyes open for whatever is true. And sometimes you don't see it. Sometimes it is really hard to see, and you have to squint in order to see it, but it's there. As God is my witness, as a speaker who has to proclaim over and over again that God is still at work in the world, even though sometimes we look out in the world and ask questions, well, God, are you really still at work? God is still at work in the world, and there is still lots and lots of true out there, and it's not going anywhere. Whatever is true and whatever is good. All you have to do, if you want to see whatever is true and whatever is good, look at the people sitting around you. Like right now, like literally. Turn your head to the left and right. These people sitting around you who come here this morning, this is what's true. 
and what is good. Now, here's the really good news about that, is that because some of the people sitting around you just now were looking at you, that means that you are part of what is true and what is good. But it's because of what God is doing among us, even here, right now, continuing to shape us in the image and likeness of Jesus. You are a part of what is true, and you are a part of what is good. Thanks be to God. I've been thinking a lot uh, over probably about the last year uh, about people that I spent my early ministry life with out in Monday, Texas, a bunch of cotton farmers um, who just got together and kept talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, one couple in particular, Elmer and Ruth. I don't know if I've told maybe some of you about Elmer and Ruth. Elmer was about 6'4", uh, just thin as a rail, couldn't hear anything. And Ruth was his wife who came to church with him on Sunday mornings. Uh, they had an old beat-up Ford pickup truck that Elmer drove everywhere and a Cadillac that was shiny and spotless. Their Cadillac was 17 years old and it had 3,000 miles on it. Uh, because they lived about a mile from church and it was their Sunday go-to-meeting Cadillac. And they drove to church and they drove it back, parked it in the garage. They were salt-of-the-earth kind of people. We had on Wednesday night uh, two Bible studies going at the same time around 7 o'clock. The men met in one of the classrooms that was three pews facing a board and then one pew against the wall, and the women met in the fellowship hall where we also ate Sunday lunch, and that was just the way it was. The five years that we were there, that's what Wednesday nights looked like. Men's Bible study in this room, women's Bible study in this room, and men's Bible study, I still don't know what the women did, but men's Bible study consisted of, we'd read a few verses, Byron would stand up at the front and lean on the podium, read a few verses, say, well, here's what I think about it, what do you guys think about it, and then we would just talk about it. I was there for five years. I think we got through John and Romans <laughs> in five years' time. Because it was just it was sort of this ongoing discussion, and we would talk, and, you know, here's what this means. Well, I think it means this. Anybody else got anything? Dead silence. Okay, let's read a few more verses. Elmer would sit, if you walk in the room, Elmer would sit in the back corner. And Lonnie, who was also in his 80s or so, would come in and sit next to them. But because neither one of them could hear very well, they would sit and they would talk like little boys on the back row sometimes and think they were whispering. Well, they weren't whispering. <laughs> and that was just kind of life together in Monday, Texas. So not too long before we left Monday, you know, again, we had lived our lives with these people for five years, we loved them, they loved us, we trusted them, they trusted us. And so, you know how it is whenever you live in community with people for years and years and you develop trust and love with them? Kind of like your family, that sometimes you just let your guard down with them 
in. You don't feel a need to, you know, okay, I got to make sure that I say just the right things and do just the right things. You kind of just, you get real with each other. So not long before we left, Cole was probably three, four months old. And let me tell you, he's a good boy. I love him. He's a great son. But this was an awful baby. He did not sleep through the night for the first year, and it was really, really hard having this baby, not knowing what to do. He wouldn't stop crying. He wouldn't sleep through the night. So picture living like that and then going into men's Bible study on Wednesday night. So everybody was all seated, ready to go, reading John or Romans. I don't remember which one. I was talking to people out in the hall. It was time for class to start, and I walk in. And Elmer, the back corner, says, Jeff, you look tired. And I'm like, man, I said, I am. I am tired. He says, why are you tired? And I said, because Cole is constipated, and he's staying up all night, and we can't get any sleep. You know, and so... I don't know, however men comfort each other. They probably said something comforting. And then we started reading John or Romans, and that was it. Don't think anything about it. Until Thursday morning, when there is a very gentle knocking at the back door, very gentle and consistent knocking. I roll over and look at the clock. We had not slept much that night, but somehow Cole, Jen, and I were all asleep. It's 6 o'clock in the morning when I hear this sort of gentle knocking on the back door. Because if you've ever lived in a rural town, no one comes to the front door. If someone had been knocking on the front door at 6 o'clock in the morning, I would have called the cop. But it's the back door, so... I get out of bed, you know, and I sort of peek out the window, and there's Elmer standing there, 6 o'clock in the morning, on a Thursday morning. So I open the door, and I say, good morning, Elmer. Um, What are you up to at 6 o'clock on a Thursday morning? And he said, well, Jeff... And he's standing there, 6 o'clock on a Thursday morning, and he's got something in his hand. And I look down at it, and it's a huge, I mean, not little, a huge bottle of prune juice. (laughs) I say, what's going on, Elmer? said, well, I wanted to get to you before you had a chance to eat breakfast because I was really sorry to hear, Jeff, that you're constipated. (laughs) He said, you drink a cup of this before breakfast and you'll be fine. So you know what I said? I said, thank you, Elmer. You, you are you're a really good man. 
He handed me the prune juice. I didn't have the heart to tell him, it's not me, it's Cole. I didn't have the heart to tell him. I just said, thank you. You're a good man. He hands me the prune juice. I set it down. I go back to bed. And I think probably five minutes later, Cole starts crying or something. But, you know, that's, that was life. I learned more about the gospel of Jesus Christ in community, living with a bunch of cotton farmers for five years, than all the books and classes and seminars combined. It's not that the books and classes and seminars were unimportant. They're vitally important. But what it looks like to live in community with people day in and day out with stories like Elmer. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm working right now while I'm thinking about all this. I'm working on a novel right now about life in Monday. Because of what life was like. It was beautiful. I mean, we used to say of Monday, that it was a great place to live, but you wouldn't want to visit there. <laughs> it was just a great place to live with these genuine salt-of-the-earth people. And it's life like this, what we're sharing here this morning in this community of faith, that continues to remind us of whatever is true whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is good. It's moments like this. Because, again, I promise you, as God is my witness, you're going to walk out of here this morning and you're going to run into all kinds of nonsense when you leave here that's going to say things like truth isn't truth and all this other just crazy nonsense that you're going to hear. You're going to hear it today. You're going to hear things that are not true. You're going to see things that are not lovely. You know the children's song that starts, you may have to help me, Bridget, but, you know, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Have you heard that one? Oh, be careful, little eyes. And isn't the next verse, oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear? Isn't that right? Maybe we need a grown-up version of that song. Oh, be careful, old eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, big ears, what you hear. Because we see a lot of things that aren't worth seeing, and we hear a lot of things that aren't worth hearing. I told you all at the beginning of the summer, and I'll tell you again, that typically whenever I meet new people associated with our community of faith, one of the things that I tell them is that, yeah, Bering is a really good group of people. I said that without thinking two weeks ago whenever I met someone new, and I just said it. You know, it just, it just comes out. Bering's a really good group of people. And I think that that's worth saying. We need to spend time with each other listening to one another's stories. I don't have a program set up for it. 
I'm just offering this as a suggestion at the end of this summer when we're probably going to be sending people out to go see people you know, during the week. One of the things that we might need to do as a community of faith is to listen to each other's stories. Old, middle, teens, young, we need to listen to each other's stories. Young people need to listen to people who have been around a lot longer than they have, not only of why they decided to follow Jesus in the first place, but what in the world has kept them sustained for decade after decade after decade of confessing Jesus as Lord. Because I want to hear that too. How do you do this? How do you do this decade after decade after decade when you're faced with doubt, whenever you're faced all the time with things that are not good, true, pure, right, lovely? How do you continue to confess Jesus as Lord? I want to hear that for myself. And I think that we need to hear that from each other. So there you go. There's something as we continue to close down this series just as a suggestion. Let's set up times to listen to each other. Because you know what? Older people need to listen to younger people too and see and hear and just taste what it is like to go to God with pure motives and no ulterior motives and nothing standing in the way of just that pure confession of faith. Let's listen to each other. We are in this place, God's good creation, created in God's good image. We, the people of Jesus Christ, in this place right now, are God's good creation. And we continue, even to this day, to be created in the good image of God. And I promise you, with 100% conviction, that that is the truth. Amen.